0: welcome back to new to medical device sales i am your host jacob mclaughlin and today i have a good friend who is about to bring a lot of value to everybody listening today i'm able to have my guest aaron ernst on the show and i've known aaron we actually back in the day small town iowa used to go to church together with our families and uh I'm able to have her on. She's been in medical device sales now for four years. She's worked with a couple different companies, and we also get to dive in a little today about how she went from the clinical role more into the sales role, which is going to be very, very beneficial for the viewers today. So let's just jump into it. Aaron, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and jumping on the podcast.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to chat with you again. I'm super excited about this.
0: Yeah. No, I'm excited as well. And like I was saying to you guys, we were talking a little off air. It's it's kind of crazy just to see where we were. Like I said, we both went to small schools. We we went to the same church when we were younger and and to kind of see us where we're at now and, and this profession and what this profession offers to, you know, people who are willing to to put in the work. And so it's it's fun to see someone like Erin, who's having a lot of success in this field and, and being able to, to just see where she started and where she's at now.
1: Absolutely. No. And it's a great uh, network, networking opportunity too, right? You, know, you never know when connections from a long time ago are going to benefit you in the future. So never uh, burn a bridge is what I always say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. So Aaron, uh, so we can just jump right into it. I, we're going to get into, you know, you were a clinical specialist. We'll talk into that, but can we kind of go in what you do before you were in quote unquote, like the, the medical device sales world?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I actually came from the hospital side of things. Um, I was a CT tech by trade. So I worked at a level one trauma center for about five years. Um, I did a lot of different shifts there. I wore a lot of different hats, did a lot of different um, leadership and management things which eventually led me to a lot of different connections in the industry side of things. Um, So I was actually recruited out of the hospital side of things to be a clinical for a a startup company that um, needed to kind of separate out their clinical specialists. And I was in the prime territory to take over the Western half of the United States. So that's what kind of led me out of the hospital side of things into the vendor and industry side of things for the startup company. Um, And like you mentioned before, I worked with a that startup in cardiology for a couple of years. And I really was able to learn a lot in the clinical side of things about the sales side of things as well. So that's really where my interest kind of was sparked for the sales aspect of it. I never, you know, went into being a CT tech or working in the hospital thinking I'm going to do a medical device sales someday, but the more and more in tune I got with it. And the more I worked with my sales team as a clinical, the more I really um, grew to love it and grew to love the relationships that you build in those hospitals. And, um, the more I really wanted to have my end goal being getting into medical sales and, um, eventually, you know, family things started drawing me back into not wanting to cover as big of a territory. And so that mixed with my love of kind of wanting to pursue sales led me into the position that I'm in today. So for the past couple of years, I've been working as a sales um, specialist for a urology company in uh, two and a half state territory, uh, which I've really grown to love my my, uh, region. And I've really grown to love the doctors and the relationships that I've come to know because of them. So um, that's kind of my pathway into what's led
0: me here. I love it. I love it. And and that's such a cool pathway to get you to where you're at. Because again, that's a question we get asked by a lot of viewers is like, hey, do you have to be in sales to get into this industry? You know, and, right. and you're showing more of the clinical and, and where you were at in the hospital already and, and seeing the op- opportunities that came with it, which is amazing.
1: Right. And, you know, it really helped too coming from the hospital, because at the hospital, you're still clinical. And I was able to use that moving into a clinical specialist position, but also learn the sales stuff on the back end. And now I'm able to use kind of my clinical knowledge as a sales specialist and really have those conversations with the physicians and the support staff kind of using that as leverage to gain their trust and gain their um, understanding of, hey, she comes from the hospital side of things. She gets it we can really work together to kind of make the sales process go smoothly because she has that clinical background.
0: I love that. And and that's, cause that's something I talk about to like people who will reach out as, you know, once you break in and you realize sales is sales is sales, you know, like there, mm-hmm. it's all pretty much, it doesn't matter what you're selling, you know, there's the techniques, you can read the books, whatever it is. But when you have that clinical, that's what the doctors want to see because, you know, that's, that's the questions they're going to be asking you about is the products. And when you can know the product inside and out. They know that you're, you know, you're going to be a benefit to them and you're going to add value.
1: Right. Right. And I, I just really love still having those conversations. So it's kind of the best of both worlds for me. So I really do appreciate that in this, in this role that I'm in now.
0: I love it. I love it. And and I want to touch in, uh, you said that you do about two and a half state territory. Can you kind of just go into detail? Because I haven't really ever on this podcast broken down into like, hey, covering multiple states. What does that kind of look like as being someone who covers that state? How much travel do you do? How How much responsibility is it? Do several states because you know i I cover two states myself but i've never really gone into detail and and i think we could provide some value just of you know what does your day look like especially instead of just doing maybe just a city you know you, you have several states
1: absolutely i will say with the large geography planning is key so preparing for not only what i'm doing this week but what i'm doing literally six months from now um I mean, we're planning quarter by quarter, but I'm also trying to do that from uh, the level of understanding where my efforts are going to be spent best, but also... My farthest territory away is about an eight-hour drive. Um, A lot of times I do fly that, but if I'm going out there, I'm not just going to go out there for a day. I'm going to make that trip worthwhile, and I'm going to hit as many accounts while I'm out there as I possibly can, because I don't know the next time I'm going to be out there. So I think that's the key to having a large territory, is just planning where you're going to be, and if you're going to put in the windshield time, making your efforts best spent in those territories that are further further away. So what that kind of looks like from a day-to-day basis is, like I said, I'm looking now for what I'm going to do at the end of the month, what I'm going to do in the middle of next month and things like that. But I'm also using the time that I'm in my office as time to understand, you know, where can I help them not being right there in front of them all the time how can I help them from afar how can I help set up virtual trainings how can I help over email or over calling just helping them to know that just because I'm not there every day or sometimes not even every week that I'm still able to be used as a resource and I'm still able to be used as a consultant for them so I think it's just um, a planning aspect but also helping them to understand you're still available even though we're not face-to-face all the time.
0: I love that. I love that. And that's, and you're a hundred percent right about, you know, just being able to make the most of it and being, and being prepared because, you know, that is the thing when you get emails, you get calls of somebody who's six, eight hours away, well, you're not going to be able to be there, but you can be resourceful. So like you putting on those virtual, uh, virtual in services or whatever it is, you know, that, that goes such a far way, especially in just keeping the trust of your accounts.
1: Right, right. And you know, I have had to have those hard conversations before, where it's, you know, the territory is pulling me in a couple different directions. And you really have to look at it from where am I going to be utilized the best in when I could Cause I can't be a hundred different places at once. Where are my efforts going to be the most capitalized on um, and just making those decisions, but also having those hard conversations with some of those other surgeons saying, Hey, you know, I am in a completely different part of my territory that day. I can't be at your cases. What resources can I offer you ahead of time to help you feel confident so that you don't feel at a loss because I'm not there.
0: Yeah. And that's such a great point. And I love that because that's the thing we we talk about all the time too, is like, You just have to try to make yourself humanized to these, these surgeons and these doctors, because every surgeon, every doctor, every staff is going to want you there in the room for the surgery. That is the reality. But you also have to be, you know, like, that's the talk we have with some of my surgeons is like, Hey doc, just like you can't be here in surgery and at the office and seeing other people. I can't be at six different surgeries. And like these, you guys know how to do it. These people don't, they need me you know, just being able to have those conversations and being honest. So I love that you went into detail because that is, you know, for you guys that are listening, that are trying to break into medical device sales, you know, like when you are trying, we talk about this when you're trying to break in, right. Maybe you have your top pick and you have three other choices but you're going through interview processes on all of them you know it's just being able to prioritize and be able to have those conversations um and, and it's no different once you break into this world is you're going to be pulled a million different directions like Aaron said and you got to be able to see for you and your territory which one's going to be the most beneficial and also for your doctors and surgeons which ones you know who can probably do it by themselves they just want their handheld compared to the ones that really need your help you know and Absolutely. that's those are the decisions you guys will have to make as you go forward
1: Absolutely. And I think organization is key too, because you're not only having to plan your efforts, but you have to plan getting um, inventory. You have to plan getting, you know, case support there via, you know, over video or something like that. You know, there's a lot of different uh, revolving doors that go into a case date for a lot of these doctors. Um, And so it's just making sure that you're organized ahead of time too, so that if you can't be there, like I said before, they still feel supported from an inventory and supplies side of things, but also from your support as the rep.
0: I love that. And, and that just wants me to turn into, can we kind of talk for a second of where you also are bringing up you're doing a lot of different jobs. And maybe sometimes it's not your job that you should be doing that to make sure that they have their supplies, but you have Mm -hmm. to do it because either way it's coming on to you. You know, that's, that's something I try to, I, I put this on the podcast is, you know, medical device sales is awesome, but there's a lot of times you're doing someone else's job because they're just not doing their job. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because if they go into the surgery and it's your equipment that they needed and they didn't order it, it still falls back onto you.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, that kind of ties all back into the organization and the preparation side of things, too. It's sending multiple uh, scopes just to make sure that they get one there that works, you know. There's a lot of times where I'm shipping scopes across my territory, and I don't know what's going to happen with the scope between my place and between the hospital, right? And so if it breaks, they're going to need a backup. If they don't have one, that's going to fall on me. You know, so there's lots of different pieces that you have to make sure that you account for beforehand so that they're set up for success. And um I wouldn't say that's not my job, but I would say that my efforts are better spent doing other things. But at the end of the day, I don't want to be the one who looks bad because they don't have the equipment that they need to get things done. Um, So I want to make sure that they're prepared so they have a good experience with my case, whether or not I'm there.
0: Yep. I love that. And and then what I've also said, and I I try to say this on the podcast, it doesn't, it doesn't do any good to point fingers, even if it's Mm -hmm. not yours, because at the end of the day, especially if you're not there, you're always as the rep, you're always going to get the finger pointed at you, especially if you're not there.
1: Right. And you know what, I don't want it to happen where I show up a couple weeks later, or a couple days later, and the support staff is super frustrated with me or super frustrated with our um, process of things, because of a mistake that I could have prevented from the get go. Because I, just like I want to keep the surgeon's trust, I also want to keep the support staff's trust, the scheduler's trust, all of their opinions and ideas go into um, the surgeon's just overall feeling about our device and overall feeling about our surgery. Um, So I think it's really important to just stay on the forefront of their minds and uh, make sure everybody has a positive experience.
0: I love that. I love that. And, and that's just a great point. Again, you're just preparing for success, you know, and, and that's what you have to do. You have to play a million different things out that might not play out, but if they do, you're going to be happy that you, you went above and beyond. So that that's some great points. Now, I'd love to kind of transition. Can we go back into, so you were a clinical specialist and now you're in the sales world. Can we kind of dissect what's, what's the big difference between those two, you know, like what was your job duties as a clinical specialist and, and what's your job duties as a, as a sales rep?
1: Yeah. So I know um, a lot of different companies have clinical specialists and I will, I know a There's a lot of different pay structures for clinical specialists, just like there's a lot of different pay structures for sales out there, um, just depending on the company. The specific startup that I was with, um, the clinical specialist, like I said, it covered about the western half of the United States. So a very large region, um, but I worked very, very closely with my team. Um, The compensation structure was largely salary with some bonus structure added onto that, but not what you would have gotten if you were in a sales position. But coming from the um, hospital side of things, you know, that was a good transition into understanding how the industry kind of pay structure was set up. So I really appreciated the salary with the small bonus side of things. Um, It was a lot of travel because I did, you know, cover a large territory. So that was quite different, but I was compensated very well for, you know, the car stipend and things like that for the travel side of things. So I think overall clinical specialists are um, compensated a lot like sales people, but just, you know, on a smaller structure. Um, But as far as working with the sales team, I really liked the startup that I was with because I got so much experience with sales processes from the get-go. So not knowing what a sales process really even was when I started, I was able to come in as a clinical and sit in on some of those sales meetings and also add my um, two cents about you know the clinical studies that we had going, um, how we got FDA approval, what we needed from you know specs from our side of things to make the hospital successful with our um, software. Yep. There was a lot of different tidbits that I added in as a clinical specialist But I also was able to, like I said, hear how the sales process was going to work with each individual account. And I was able to um, kind of see how the marketing side of things were going and how they were going to use our product to kind of market in their territory. So I was able to get, you know, co-marketing side of things and knowledge around that. So really as a clinical for a startup, I was able to learn a lot about the sales process and then leverage that knowledge when I was trying to get a sales role in the future. So I know a lot of times clinicals aren't necessarily a part of those meetings, but the more interested I was in sales, the more I was able to raise my hand and say, Hey, I know I'm a clinical, but I can bring benefit to this meeting. Can I sit in with you so I can learn more so that I can leverage those for future endeavors that I'm going to be obtaining.
0: I love that. I love it. And then the thing I want everybody who's just listening again, we, we talk about this common theme that we see. And it's, it's going above and beyond what you're doing right now to, to help yourself break in, right? Erin was already in that world clinical specialist, but she was just trying to learn more show that she would be an asset to the team once she got in, and also could give contributions that were, were beneficial and help lead to where she's at today. So I just want to acknowledge you for that again, going above and beyond to show that you could provide value and just continue to learn. So that's amazing.
1: Thank you so much. And I will say I had amazing mentors at that company who did allow me to sit in on those meetings where I maybe wouldn't have been asked to sit in on before, you know, because I did raise my hand and I did say, hey, I want to learn about this. They kind of took, since I took the reins, they took the lead and say, hey, if this is your end goal, we see you, we see where you're at now, but we want to help you get there in the future. And I just really think if I would have just sat back and just done my job, they wouldn't have necessarily seen um, the benefit that I could Bring, but also they wouldn't have seen like, Hey, this girl wants to, to go above and beyond this girl wants to, you know, benefit herself for the future. They probably wouldn't have asked me to be a part of those meetings. So because of that, I also was able to gain amazing mentors that I will have. I know for the rest of my career.
0: That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. And again, and I always just tell people, you know, being in this world, I've always learned people want to help people who are going to help themselves. Um, you know, and the same, the same as us as reps, you know, when we have people who reach out to us, you know, I'm going to help somebody who's coming prepared. Who's going to be, you know, who's going to, take something from it compared to, right. you know, if they just want handouts you know, probably not going to get a message back or, you know, absolutely stuff like that. So I love that you touched on that. Just, just going back to that cl- clinical specialist and like a territory manager, it's a, a full line sales rep. Again, we talked about pay structure and, and in the la- last podcast, you guys, I t- kind of talked about the pay structure, but like she said, it's going to be more of a, like a base and or a salary. And then you have the yeah. opportunity with like, if you perform, if your territory performs, then you have that bonus structure. Correct.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I was also still really benefiting from because I was traveling so much, you know, a lot of that was covered, my gas was covered. Yep. Um, I did get a small car stipend too. So that really helped from that side of things, because as a clinical, I was traveling and covering a way larger territory than the territory managers and the um, the business the area sales directors were yeah. so I really benefited from that help on that side of things too. And I know a lot of companies typically allow you to have some sort of car stipend, or they will, you know, allow you to have a company or oh. on end of things too because you are traveling like the salespeople are.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and so I love that. And the the, the big difference I just want to show is. You know, with the clinical specialist, you're still doing, you know, like she's saying, all the travel. You're doing the work. You're you're working with the doctors. The only real big difference that I've seen, and I'd love to, for to hear your feedback, Aaron, is, you know, once you get that full line sales rep, now mm-hmm. you're on the your your head's on the chopping block for the quota. You're you're the one in charge of getting clinical specialists certain areas. You're you're in getting yeah. associates to run thing. You're kind of the head honcho, but you have more responsibility, but in the same respect, you might have more opportunity financially, you know, mm-hmm. if you're hitting your quota. So can you kind of just talk to that kind of the difference there of like, Hey, clinical, you're still traveling, you're still making money, but mm-hmm. you know, once you get that full line sales rep, maybe more responsibility, but again, you're financial, but also you could be more on uh, more held accountable for that territory.
1: Absolutely. You know, that was an easy transition for me because I was already doing a lot of those um. Opportunity meetings and kind of those new start, uh, new start hospitals, new start doctors. I was already doing a lot of those things. And I like to say, wearing a lot of different hats at my old job, at my startup where I was technically a clinical. I was already having those meetings and doing those actions. So it was an easy transition for me and I didn't put so much emphasis on, oh, now I have a number that I have to hit or now it's you know such a big undertaking coming from moving as that clinical specialist. But I would say um, if you're already doing, if you're already given those opportunities and you're already doing a lot of those actions, it's not gonna be an intimidating move. Um, so I would just say, if you do get some sort of clinical position, start raising your hand for some of those opportunities, start putting yourself out there saying, Hey, let me in on some of your business meetings. Let me in on some of your sales cycle um, processes. Let me understand the sales side of things. And, you know, act as a salesperson before you're at before you're actually a salesperson and you will have a fine transition. It won't be intimidating by any means.
0: I love that. And, and we, cause we talk about this on the podcast all the time, do the job to get the job, right? Yeah. Like if I can go through the interview process and I can show that I can network, that I can follow up that I can keep track, you know, like we talked right. about, it's the same thing. And once you break in, because it's, I'm doing the job to get the job because once I have the job, I have to do the same duties. Exactly Absolutely. what you're saying is, you know, it's that easier transition. And my, my piece of advice to anyone who's listening is from my experience, especially just in my short realm, but the success I am having, it's not like I'm doing anything crazy when it comes to sales. It's, you know, I'm just, I'm providing good support. I'm making sure that I'm sticking to my word. I'm, I'm doing what I said I was going to do and make sure that like Aaron said, everybody feels supported and they are supported. And if there's anything I can fix, I can do. And that for me is what helping lead to more success rather than, you know, what crazy sales tactics am I using? Because there's not crazy ones.
1: Absolutely. And I will say too, you know, covering a big territory like that, sometimes I was only the person, I was the only person from the company they had seen in a while. And sometimes they were frustrated with the product. So I was already having to have some of those difficult conversations that a clinical isn't always necessarily going to have. But on the other end of things, if I was the first person they had seen in a long time and things were going great, I was able to dig deeper and ask, I, you know, what can we help to do more? From the sales side of things, you know, I'm not a salesperson, but I can relay those messages to the people who can get those things done. And so in that transition, you know, like I said, smaller territory, I'm actually in sales now, but the transition was not that difficult because I was already doing those actions and I was already making sure those sites felt supported, whether or not they had seen somebody from our company in a long time.
0: I love that. I love it. And you, that's such a great point. And and that is true, especially in a big territory. You know, I, I, I always joke around on here. One of the first hospitals I showed up to, I got cussed at and they're like, why are you here? And all this, because they didn't know who I was. They just knew the brand and they had some bad experiences. So right away, I, you have to go try to figure out what went wrong and make them happy at the end of the day um, and, and try to switch it around. But that's such a great point is, you know, there's always more that can be done because again, even when they feel supported, if you're going like yourself, going above and beyond of what else can we do to make your life easier? What else can we do to make the patient's life better? You know, it's, it just shows that you really care and, and that, that builds that trust and that buy-in that, the support needs and the staff needs. So I love that you just touched on that. So I appreciate it. Um, Absolutely.
1: I also want to say too, you know, never count out a clinical specialist role as a good pathway to get into sales. You know, there's associate roles out there. Um, and those are a great pathway too. But if you haven't had luck with that, consider a clinical role. If you have a clinical background, that's a good transition into the sales side of things. You come in as a clinical for a year or two, you learn the back ends of the product, you learn the clinical studies. That makes you a great candidate to move into sales because you already have so much experience with the product and you already know the ins and outs of it. You can talk to the product so well, and then you can learn the sales side of things on the back end and be a great sales rep coming from the clinic side of
0: things. And and I'll just be honest, I personally, if you if you do sell a device that has a clinical specialist, you know, I think a a clinical specialist is almost more entailed to go into that full line sales rep than the associate because you know like as we know in the med device world a lot of times the associates just running trays and they're they're just doing all the stuff the busy work that like if i'm the tm and i don't have time to do or i don't want to do i'm just having an associate do that compared to a clinical specialist is in there they know the products inside and out which you know once you get in the sales rep you got to learn that as well and then also the relationships. And that's what people don't think about a lot is when you're a clinical specialist or you're in the hospital and you have relationships with scrub techs, nurses, doctors, when you're, when a sales position opens up, you're able to go into that because you're you now, you already have the relationship, the hard part built. Now yeah. it's just continuing to, to foster that relationship. So I, I appreciate you saying that. And also just to anyone thinking about that too, is, you know, usually the the pay structure is a little different because I know I've talked to people that were clinical specialists. And again, like we talked about, there's different levels, but you yeah. can- You could stay in clinical specialists and there's some people who they didn't want to worry about sales. They just wanted to do it and they make great money and they make more than an associate would. And they're just doing the surgeries compared to, you know, you're breaking as an associate. You're going to work two, three years, try to break in as a full line sales rep. So there, this is again, just showing there's so many different options and and don't, don't count yourself out just because maybe you're not getting an associate, but if a clinical opportunity, I would almost argue that it gives you a stronger aspect, especially if you're trying to stay within that product and that company.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. There's so many different pathways to break into the industry. um, And you know, there's no right or wrong way to do it. But there's so many opportunities just always be looking for those different ways that you can come in and make a difference.
0: I love that. Yeah. It's so true. So Aaron, now I got to ask, cause you're going to have people who are reaching out and they're going to be like, Aaron, what can I do to break in? And I would just love to, what advice would you give to someone who's going to reach out and be like, Aaron, what can I do to help separate myself to break into the industry? What, what are some of the tips that you did that I could do to get into this awesome industry?
1: Absolutely. So I, I love what you said before, do the job you want before you have it. I think that's like a, the mentality that I've always used in so many different parts of my life so if you aren't into sales you know maybe you're getting so frustrated with the interview process things like that reach out and make those connections with other people who are going through the process with you or who have gone through the process beforehand relationships and making connections and networking are key i think i also said before never burn a bridge i think that's so important for the future too um Ironically, when I was working at the hospital, um, I there was lots of frustrations that I had. I could have easily went into the industry side of things and burned a lot of bridges at the hospital that I worked at because I was very frustrated when I left. A couple of years later, when I was, you know, in sales, now I go back to that hospital and I'm working with those doctors and I'm working with those people that I worked with before. So if I would have burned those bridges, I would have never been able to maintain those relationships or build that trust back up after I had broken it. So I also think, you know, leveraging the relationships that you have and never burning those bridges is super important. You never know where the industry is going to take you. Um, and it's honestly a very, very small world I've come to learn. Um, So you never want to burn those bridges or not take those chances to network and create those relationships with people. I also think just doing the work on the back end. So that means, you know, listening to podcasts like Jacob has or reading those books that people have suggested to you. You know, it's easy to go out and say, oh, yeah, you know, I did some research on the company. I did this. I did that. Um, invest in yourself and truly understand the sales processes, truly understand what the company you're interviewing for, what their deep down why is, um, and do the research on the back end before you have an interview or before you even apply. Make sure you're able to um, leverage that knowledge um, for those interviews and for making those connections.
0: I love it. That's so many great tips. You guys, please take, take time, go back five minutes, re uh, re re listen to what she just said, because she's so true. You know, like, like we talked about, especially in this medical device world, it's small, it's super small. Um, you never know where it's going to lead to. Um, and even like where you're saying, don't burn a bridge, you know, like even I say this all the time, cause there's people who will reach out. They didn't get a job and they're mad that they didn't get a job at somebody. And that maybe they start bad talking someone. And here's the, here's the reality of it. There was jobs that I didn't get, but then four months later, that position opened back up or something else opened back up and they Uh uh, reached out to me and they called and said, Hey, are you still interested? You know, if you would have burnt the bridge you would have never got it so again always just continuing to always take the high road and and never know where it's gonna go um, so I, I just love that you said that is just being able to you know always invest in yourself as well that's one thing I just want to touch in it doesn't matter if it's medical device it doesn't matter what you're doing in life just invest in yourself because at the end of the day you always just have you you know and and that's just the reality I just try to tell everybody because this comp this D- division is great. This, this industry is great, but at the end of the day, it's a business, you know, like if you're not investing in yourself and you're not doing your own skills, you know, if, if you ever get let go or something happens, you know, you got, it's only what you're putting into it. So again, just take those words that Aaron said and always make sure that you guys are just putting back into yourself a podcast, a book, or, or whatever you can do just to keep making yourself grow because it's only going to benefit you in the future.
1: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more.
0: I love it. I love it. Aaron, again, I appreciate you so much just taking the time to jump on this podcast. And and again, just share the tips, because I know I got a lot of value. And I know the listeners, if they were listening, they got value, especially just seeing what the differences are. And then, again, just seeing where you were and where you're at now and and the success you're having covering these states and, and everything that you've done so far in medical device. So we're excited to see where your future keeps taking you. And again, just want to say thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with us.
1: Of course I really really appreciate the opportunity and um feel free to reach out and connect with me on LinkedIn. You never know where those connections are going to take you, like I said before. So thanks again, Jacob. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much, Aaron, And everybody who's listening, please press that like and subscribe button. If you guys are watching on YouTube, if you're listening on the podcast, a five-star review helps us grow this channel to teach more people about this great industry. And if you guys haven't, go ahead and grab that ebook at newtomedicaldevicesales.com, where I go into detail how I got four job offers with no previous sales experience. I put in my business plan, emails that I sent managers, everything I did to get those job offers. Um, Again, the link is in the description, but I always appreciate you guys tuning in. Feel free to reach out, like Aaron said, on LinkedIn. um, And you guys can reach out to myself as well. LinkedIn, Jacob McLaughlin, also on new medical device sales on TikTok and Instagram. And then you guys can just reach out here on the podcast as well. So I appreciate you guys so much and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.